we have the tremendous schut of hearing the world expert on one of the most important topics on mental health. Rabbi on the topic, and uh, there are people in this room who have lost family members to uh, depression, who have ended their lives, and even if it doesn't reach that stage, suffering with depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, all sorts of issues. And as a general, if it's not something that you're dealing with, you should know that there are other people dealing with it. And we want them to know that there's help available and that we're an open ear for them. But we also know how to identify and, and help everyone. And that is why, okay, we're not going to solve it in one session today, so there may be future, but that is why we brought Rabbi Tversky here today, whose advice on this topic is sought from all over the world. I recently heard a story, and hopefully Rabbi Tversky will confirm that it's a true story, that there was a priest that Rabbi Tversky was helping with an addiction issue. And because of that, he couldn't have their uh, sacrament, which involved drinking wine, because when you're an addict, you can't even have a little bit sometimes. You have to fully stop and, and not partake of any alcohol. So he was sad that he wouldn't be able to have the wine in church. So Rabbi Tversky suggested, what about grape juice? Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, the great Jewish sage and posek, has said that for Jewish customs that require wine, grape juice is sufficient. Maybe that works for you too. And he didn't know on his uh, exam. And he went and asked the bishop, who asked Rabbi Tversky to write up the uh, svara, the, and they sent the shaila off to the pope, Paskind, that it was okay. So from all over the world, from all walks of life, people are turning to Rabbi Tversky for his sage advice. And we have the split of hearing him today. Without further ado, please, Rabbi Tversky. Pleasure being here to discuss this vital subject with you. No way we can do it justice. No way we can do it justice in a short period of time. At least we'll talk about Rosh Hashem But before getting on to the other issues of mental illness, I do want to talk, talk about something which was my specialty. Uh, I've been told that in some yeshivas, both of them get together Friday night and drink. And uh, sometimes they drink too much. I plead with you not to go that derech. I'll tell you the derech You make Kiddush, fine. If you don't have a problem with alcohol and you're over 18, you can have one l'chaim. There's no reason to have more than that. One l'chaim and one glass of beer, period. Because all this fellow will tell you that excessive alcohol leads to disaster. But there's something else I want to bring up. And that is that our culture and the media have gone crazy with trying to convince people that marijuana is safe. And I want to tell you, based on my experience of 65 years, marijuana is a samhamavet. 
and you'll say, oh, well, but so many people use it and they're okay. The trouble with marijuana is that very much like cancer, it does not cause symptoms immediately. It's not like cocaine and heroin and fentanyl, which can cause sudden death. No, nobody dies from marijuana. But the problem with cancer is that usually cancer starts off in a way that is undetectable for many years. It's a silent killer. And by the time it becomes evident, it may be either too late or require drastic treatment. That is the problem with marijuana. I have nothing nice to say about alcohol, but I will tell you this, that if you take one shot of whiskey or one glass of beer and three hours later you take a blood test, there's no alcohol in your system because the liver gets rid of it. However, if on today, January 23rd, you take one cigarette of marijuana, one reefer, and four weeks later you do a blood test, you'll find marijuana in your body. Marijuana stays in the body and stays in the brain for four weeks or more. And the symptom that it has is very subtle. And that's why you don't notice anything at all. But it causes what is known as the amotivational syndrome. You lose your enthusiasm, you lose your paycheck, you lose your drive for things that are important to you. And by the time that you find out at age 38 that uh, you've lost your opportunity to, to do what you want in life, because the best years have gone by, it may be too late to change. So do yourself a life-saving favor for yourself and your family. Stay away from marijuana. Don't listen to the people who say that it's safe. If, it, if they mean yes, it doesn't kill immediately, that's true. But also it can cause an additional mental illness, including paranoia. So stay away from it. Uh, the people who are manufacturing marijuana are out to make money on your, on, on your skin. Okay? So please remember that. Don't be misled by the people who say that it's safe. Mental illness, just as an overview, Mental illness can be divided roughly into, into uh, two groups. One, there are mental illnesses that are due to change in the body chemistry, such as bipolar disease, manic depressive, schizophrenia, uh, OCD, depression. We don't know always what causes them. 
Fortunately, even though we may not know the cause, there are effective <coughs> drugs that can restore the body chemistry and a person can live a normal life. And can live a normal life to age 120. Those are the biochemical diseases. And then there are diseases for which we do not know any biochemicals source. And that is that a person just has problems in getting along with the world. There's also a, a kind of depression which is not treatable with drugs. A person is not really as much depressed as he is discontented. He's not happy. And there's a whole industry is to help you find happiness. And a person tell you happiness is number one. The whole the whole Torah with, with all of the horrible things are So Simcha is tremendously essential. And there are people that are just well, not happy with themselves. They're always dissatisfied with something. There's no drug for that. There are no drugs for people who have crazy ideas. Which reminds me of a conversation I had with the Stipe in 1965. He uh, said to me, uh, people come to me asking me problems about medicine and diseases. Well, I don't know. I, what, what do I do? Uh, says, he says, I have a list of medications for different diseases. So I say, check your doctor with your doctor whether this is good. So he says, now in your specialty, are there any new medications that I might not know of? I think every few months another medication comes up. So he goes up and gets a, a notebook. And he opens it to the page where it says Holy Nefesh. And so there's a list of several medications that we had in 1965. So I said, well, today there's more modern medications that are more effective. <coughs> and he says, what kind of medication can you give for delusions? Demionot. I said, there's no medication that'll stop demyonot. So he says, what happens if someone has a demyon that he's the tzaddik right. So I started laughing. I said, there's no medication for that. So he says, too bad. He said, there's so much of that disease around. But anyway, uh, there are diseases belonging to depression, anxiety, and so forth, which are treatable with certain medications, and people can live a uh, normal life. <coughs> There's one thing that we must understand. Just as we understand that antibiotics <coughs> are necessary, 
for infections, and uh, insulin is necessary for diabetes. And nobody gets shook up about the fact that somebody's taking these medications. When it comes to medications for health, people have a totally different idea. Oh, you give out medication. And where this comes to has disastrous effects is Shaduchim. There have been cases, a young man or a young woman had a severe depression or one of the related diseases and they were given antidepressant medication and they have to stay on them, possibly for life. They're perfectly normal lives. But the culture, our culture believes that you can't let anybody know that that's so. Because they ever find out that the young man or the young woman is on medication for some kind of psychiatric illness, forget it, there will never be a shidduch. So they stop taking the medications. And when they stop taking the medications, they're inviting disaster. So it's important to know that they're in the hands of a good psychiatrist, right? and he knows which medications to use, there's no reason to keep it secret. You know, we have a saying in, in, uh, that you are as sick as secrets that you keep. It's a whole different uh, topic that we might get into in discussing about what do you reveal in the Shidduch. But uh, there's this craziness where parents force their son or daughter to stop taking medication because it'll hurt the shidduch. And they pay a terrible price for it. So, if anyone is in a situation where a capable, reliable doctor has said you need to take this medication, you can get a consultation, get another opinion. Right? But don't react as though it's a catastrophe. These medications can be very healthy, very helpful, very effective. Now, sometimes there are conditions which, for which you don't have any good medications. <laughs> Even though psychiatry science continues to advance, there are still conditions which are not treatable with medicine. A very common condition is OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I have no idea why it's so common because when I first became a psychiatrist in 1960, I rarely saw a case. Today, it's very difficult to find a group of people where there, where there is not a case of OCD. I don't know why this is so, but OCD is a very common condition, a very nagging condition. I have a little touch of OCD myself, and it hasn't disabled me at all. But uh, uh, it, uh, I, I, because it has not disabled me, I don't need any medication for it. But it's not a pleasant condition uh, to be unsure of yourself. So I, I can be lying in bed, and 11 o'clock at night, 
that I don't matter. Yes, I can't get around to Minyan very often. So I don't at home. But did I don't matter today? I think I did. But maybe I didn't. And I usually I make a simon for myself. But this time I didn't make a simon for myself. And I couldn't remember whether it doesn't matter or not. Okay, so I got off a bit and doubled again. The, the worst is that there will be a Tvila Siddhartha. But there are some conditions that are absolutely impossible for living a normal life. Like a person stays in a shower for two hours to make sure that he gets all the, all the germs off. Now, first of all, that there's a serious problem for the family. There's other people in the family that need the shower. But he has this idea in his hand that he's contaminated with germs. There are people that will not touch certain things because they're afraid they'll contact germs. OCD is a very serious condition. And a very common condition. Fortunately, it responds to medication in 90% of the cases. And the person lives a normal life and is bothered by... Now, sometimes there are problems with people who have machovisos. And we read a lot of the delicious film about machovisos. Well, machovisos are not necessarily OCD. So you can be davening Shemineska and all of a sudden you're thinking about something else. It's not uncommon. One of the tzaddikim told the person to make sure that when he does business, don't forget, avoid Hashem while you're doing business. So he says, Rabbi, how can you expect me when I'm doing business to have in mind avoid Hashem? He says, what's the problem? When you're down in Shemineska, you think about business. Right? You just turn it around. Right? Those are not Uzi. And then you use the guidelines of the Sifli Musa and to be misbelled, to be free of Afshavah's those. But OCD is where a certain thought will come to you and you can't get rid of it. And you just want to shake it off. And no matter what you do, it stays there. Very often that is OCD. Obsessive compulsive. And it takes over your thinking, takes over your life. That's different than our self-service. And for that, if you have that kind of problem, get a hold of somebody who does treatment, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and get the proper treatment of you because you're a prisoner, you're a prisoner to OCD. The next most common one is anxiety. And anxiety is, has a whole spectrum of very mild to very serious. A very serious kind of anxiety 
is panic attacks. <coughs> panic attacks is when you're sitting in <coughs> your home or in school or in the TV and you're comfortable, there's nothing threatening to you, and suddenly your heart starts beating rapidly, you break out in a sweat, right? as though you were in an airplane where the two, two the four engines are on fire. Right? Or you feel that, that your life is in danger. It's not uncommon at all that some people will uh, sit in the last row in the, in the shul because they have to be able to sit where they can have easy access to escape if they, if they get an attack. And women also, when they go shopping, right, they can sometimes get an attack of panic, leave the cart full of groceries where it is and run, run out. That's, these panic attacks are very uncomfortable and very disabling. But fortunately, the antidepressant medications work well for them. Now you may have to play around to get the proper medication, but panic attacks, as a rule, there's always exceptions, but as a rule, spontaneous. Then there's other anxieties that are not panic attacks. When someone has a machina coming up, and he's anxious that he's not going to know the answers to the, <coughs> to the questions that the Rebbe's going to pose. So he's very anxious about that. Right? Medication isn't going to help that. These are the normal anxieties of everyday life. And uh, they occur to men, they occur to women, uh, and these should, you try to find someone who can help you through dealing with them and not resort to medication. The reason I have to be careful not to resort to medication is many of the medications, not the antidepressants, but many of the tranquilizers, especially in the days when I was in practice, the communist one was Valium, Xantex, Xanax, the problem with those is that if you rely on them and you get anxiety more often, these medications are like a, a, a addictive, they lose their ability and don't work anymore. For example, a person who can't sleep at night, can't fall asleep, and he starts using sleeping medication in order to fall asleep. <coughs> After a while, the nature of these medications for anxiety or for, or for sleeplessness is that they lose their effect after a period of time, whether it's a few weeks or a few months. And if you depend on them, you have to increase the dose. And it's very easy to become addicted to various medications. It's also possible to become addicted to something that's as safe as coffee. Coffee's got caffeine, and it helps us stay awake. And if you feel you do, you've got to keep your eyes open, so you take coffee. Now, if you have two or three or four cups a day, 
that's okay, that's tolerable. But if it become more dependent and it's not working anymore, then you have to continue to build up to six, eight, ten, twelve. So one young man came in, he was trying to prepare for medical school, and he couldn't stay awake to study, and so he drank coffee to keep him away, and ended up drinking 50 cups a day. And he went crazy. So, uh, even something as common as caffeine can be addictive if you become dependent on it. Yes, I'm dependent on a cup of coffee in the morning. That's a safe addiction. I've never had a second cup. But to have two or three or four cups a day, but it gets to the point where you become dependent on it and it loses effect. Addiction is very common. And the problem with it is that when you uh, become addicted to anything, you lose control over your life. That's addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, addicted to, to heroin, to cocaine, addicted to tranquilizers, addicted to sleeping pills. There's also addictions to gambling. People's lives have been ruined because they can't stop gambling. People have been put in jail as a result of criminal <coughs> acts as a secondary to gambling. And they swear that they'll never gamble again. Two days after they're out of jail, they're right back at the, at the racetrack or at the casino. Gambling can be very effective. So if you want to play dreidel on the Hanukkah, that's fine. <laughs> but if you want to go to a casino, it's dangerous. And I cannot tell you whether... Uh, there's any way of saying who is uh, uh, likely to become addicted and who is not. All I know is that those things that are uh, apt to cause addiction stay the heck away from them. I had a young man who came to my institute 40 years ago. Uh, his father was a Makachila and Yeshiva. Somehow or other he had gotten involved with drugs. And it was on terrible doses of heroin and cocaine. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, he stayed at the Institute for a whole month, and he got, low, got through it. But I knew very well, if he goes back to New York, he'll meet up with his friends, his cronies, and we'll get him back on drugs. So I told him, you better stay right here for, for a while. So he agreed to stay in Pittsburgh. And then one day he comes up to me and he says, you know, we're getting close to Pesach and I'd like to be by my father's sender. Okay, you have to risk it. So he went back to New York for his father's sender. Well, Hashem did not meet up with his cronies. And he came back and he said to me, you know, when my father started saying the Hakoda, I interrupted him and I said, Abba, 
Can you ever say about yourself that you personally were an Evid? No, you're talking about Ovas Avaseil thousands of years ago were Avadid. But you personally were not an Evid. I can tell you what it means to be an Evid. Because all of those years that I was on drugs, I was an Evid to the drugs. They were my taskmaster. I did things that to, to get drugs that I never thought I was capable of doing. Baruch Hashem, he stayed sober for 38 years. And he died of heart disease. But you have to realize that any of these addictions take over your life and you may think you have control, but you don't. You can be an avid to power, right? you can be an avid to alcohol. You can be never to cocaine, to 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 Zalian, to Xanax, to painkillers, to sleep medication. You can be an ad- addicted to anger. If you lose control of anger. That's why midas is so are so important. That in order to be a healthy person. You have to have healthy midas. The Baha'i says, why doesn't the Torah tell you about midas? The same way it does about other esses and lysesses. And the Baha'i Vital says, because you cannot have Torah unless you have proper midas first. Proper midas are more important, he says, than esses and lysesses. Now, nobody's going to think that if you lose your temper, that that's worse than eating today from being the Hall of Shabbos. Even though the Gemara says that's kilo of But if you lose control of yourself in any way, whether it's anger or sexual behavior, now sex is a normal part of life. But there are people who are ruined because of their tithes. And if they have access to the uh, internet, and they watch the shmos on the internet, they become addicted to that. Right? And that takes over their lives. And it ruins them. They know that they are destroying themselves and they're, help- they're helpless to stop. Fortunately, there's a program called Guard Your Eyes, that was started off here in Israel and has helped hundreds of young men and women break loose from sexual addiction. And whether it's pornography or other kind of sexual things right, that are not permissible, they can be terribly destructive and ruin a person's life. I think marriages were destroyed by pornography. And strangely enough, there, there are some people who are B'nai Torah and they should have known better. And they write them our own stories. They write their own stories. Right? <laughs> One young man wrote that I was always a, a good... Uh, 
Hamad Chacham, and uh, I developed sex addiction. It killed me. And he couldn't break loose from it. He knew his Nishal Tachdas, he knew he was in, in trouble. But first I was afraid to tell anybody. The young man wrote me a letter 40 years ago. The letter was published in the Hamadiyya. Boxing tells about, uh, I was a top-notch student. Top-notch student and my future was guaranteed. I was top leader in the class. I knew that one of these days I'll do a wonderful shidduch, maybe even the Rosh Yeshiva's family. But then my parents brought the internet into my house and I lost control. And now he says, I have things that are unheard of. To me, Avelis of Arias. And I was helpless to do anything about it. Then he went to one of the programs that treats sexual addiction, and Baruch Hashem, he got better. So yes, saying Tilvim and Tfilis is, is important, but uh, True! But if a person has pneumonia, he's going to take penicillin, and he's not going to say, I'm going to learn Zayda and get over my pneumonia. If he has appendicitis, he's not going to try to get rid of his appendix. So yes, but there's also a din of the rabbi rabbi that you have to take medicine and proper treatment when it's, uh, when, when it's uh, indicated when it's important. I'm glad we have this opportunity to talk today, but it's only one hour. <coughs> to talk about so many different subjects that affect you in many different ways. The problem of low self-esteem. People who feel about themselves, I'm not good enough. Now, if it means it's not good enough in Allah, it's Hashem. It's not low self-esteem. But it is that feels... I need to be... I have to do... I mean, the, one of the reasons that I know so much about it is in spite of the fact that I succeeded at everything that I did. Right? I had to, low self-esteem throughout my life. Everybody's, whatever they had was... Uh, I had a baseball glove, it's not as good as the other guys. When I got a microscope into medical school, it wasn't as good as, as anybody else's mother. And this haunted me. And the question, where did it come from? First of all, there is a, a logical idea that these attitudes come from bad parenting. Bad parenting. Parents were not loving enough, parents did not provide enough security. There might be some truth to that. But I used to be very keen on asking patients about their upbringing and so forth, because it is important. 
But ultimately, I used to tell patients, even if you are now what your parents made you, if you stay that way, it's your own damn fault. We are capable of changing. I have thousands of alcoholics who were addicted, and they've gone through changes with the program. With the program. So don't blame your parents. Right? There's always things that you can do. You make some need a little help. But we have to find ways of reading up on uh, mental health. Uh, and uh, incidentally, uh, one word about low self I suffered from low self-esteem for over 40 years. And, and then I came across something that Epstein Zissel said. Epstein Zissel says on the post-secret, so he says, Dochai is a noun, not a verb. <coughs> Dochai refers to a koya chadocha. That is within every person. And there's every person has a koya chadocha that tries to crush him. And it's from the Yitzhahala. It's not the Yitzhahala that's just telling you to eat tray for showers or two. But if there's a whole to tell you, you don't amount to anything, you're not likable, nobody wants to be friends with you, it makes you feel bad about yourself. That's a koya chadoicha, that's a whole. It made it easier for me because I knew where I was coming from. I had wonderful parents. <coughs> I would tell the stories about how the things they did to help me build my self-esteem. Nevertheless, I felt inadequate and unworthy. I kind of came accustomed to the Zizel, and I understood now why I felt that way. That was the Yitzhahal getting to me. And now Yitzhahal tells me about how no good I am. Right? I say, I don't listen to you. I don't listen to you when you tell me to be with Shabbos. I don't listen to you when you tell me that I'm no good. And so learning to play Musa is crucial. And we have, we've been blessed, we have so many wonderful Sifri Musa. Uh, of course, the old standby is the Yoyner, Mishidoshishon, is a must. They said that the Groh very seldom left his room, that they were learning play all day. If it was necessary for him to go out of the house, he learned Perikshani of Mishilti Shalom 13 times before he left the house. That's the value of Mishilti Shalom. And there's later books, Mishilti Shalom is great. Sikhas Mosara from. And all the uh, see the Shalom, great Musar Sefer. Uh, and we, we learn those and take them seriously. Uh, and uh, and those are the kind of things that help you straighten out your life.
We're just about five minutes away. We could go out for five hours now. But if anybody has any pressing questions, we'll take a couple. Yes, sir. Louder. Other than the other addictions that you mentioned, would you feel um, there are more mundane addictions, like use of a smartphone? Would they consider an addiction? I think that they have to realize what the problem is. Uh, there, are, there are some addictions that are harmless, you know. You're addicted to your family. That's a good addiction. Right? <coughs> the problem with smartphones is that too often it falls into uh, uh, there's stuff on it that, that are inappropriate. And you don't realize that uh, uh, looking at this thing once is uh, a disaster. But that's what the Yetzirah wants. And it catches you to think that it's uh, innocent, and then he's got one thing, he goes and got here, he's trapped here. Right? So therefore, I would strongly suggest, unless it's absolutely essential for your work, stay away from the smartphones. Okay? Now, I get along perfectly well in life with a regular phone, but with not, not a smartphone. I don't need it, and uh, so, yeah, I think they're dangerous. Yes, sir. What is the what is the rabbi think that addiction and mental mental illness is so prevalent, is so common in today's generation? And accordingly, what can we do to stop it to help ourselves, our friends, and our families? Did anybody hear him? Repeat. What? Why is mental illness so prevalent in our generation, and what can we do to stop it or prevent it? Good question. I don't know the answer to the, all the answers to it, but one thing I will tell you, right? And this has something to do with uh, people who are shem and mitzvahs. The Ramban says there's a mitzvah kedoshim to you. That's a derisa. It's not a chasidus. And the Ramban uh, says you can be a novel mitzvah satayra. You can do all tarayag mitzvahs and still be a chazer. Right? What happened in modern days is that we've gone to what life is all about is comfort and convenience and fun. Comfort and convenience and fun. Science has made such tremendous gains in making life easier for us. Right? But we've got to think, oh, there should be an easier way to do this. When my mother made the chicken, she had to make the chicken kosher. How do you make a chicken kosher? Hey, if it's not treif, it's kosher. <laughs> you have to soak it and salt it and rinse it. It's like ganz Yeah. To make a filter fish, you have to go to the fish market. Get the fish, grind it, chop it up. Uh, uh. Today, everything is ready for the pot. Science has made life easy for us. So much so that if it's not easy, there's something wrong. Right? And this is why there is so much more illness. One of the reasons that there's more illness today than before, because we're all dissatisfied. We're all dissatisfied, discontented. 
And being discontented is not the same as being depressed. What we have to remember at all times is, We are children of Hashem. And if we don't remember that, then it's an avoid the Zohar. And then Hashem is going to looks after us. We not be thrilled with all of the kinds of things that he allows us allows to happen. We don't understand why. Right? But we are have to remember that we are children of Hashem. And that we're here for a purpose. And still the Shalom begins the Seder with What are you here for? You're here for to have a good time? No. Some people think the world is supposed to be one great amusement park. It's not. The world is a workplace. And you have to work hard at it. And if you realize that, that, that the world is a workplace and you have an obligation in it, that you're not as likely to get caught in the trap of being discontented. Right? Maybe you can't reach the Madriga that the Gemara says. Those are very sharp demands. Maybe we can't live up to them literally. But there's a great deal of difference between to the kind of crazy things that go today on in, 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 in preparing food to get people to, to get a, a, a pleasure, pleasure from eating. And one of the most common diseases that we have that we haven't talked about at all is eating disorders. And they're common both to men and women, but some of them are more common to women. So, uh, we live in a world that is fraught with discontent because we want more. We want pleasure. Uh, and we have a tremendous Yankov uh, uh, right? What did Yankov want? He suffered from Esau, he suffered from Lovon, and now he wants to be at peace. What's he going to do during the time? He's going to learn Taylor. So what does Hashem say to him? Peace is you will have in Elam Haba. Here you have to suffer. But why? It's not for us to ask. So we've got to be careful that we don't get trapped into looking for more and more ways of getting pleasure out of life. Okay? Thank you so much to Rabbi Torsky for taking the time today, coming out here, schlepping out here. We uh, all learned so much. We know that this was just Rashi Prokin. We all plan to learn more about the topic. And we wish you gesund health. Hatzlacham. Amen. Oh,